0: Welcome, Michael Murphy, and uh, Michael will give his own introduction, uh, I guess, just briefly in terms of some of the context that he's been into, but I will say he has a proven track record in terms of ministry, he's worked with some of the best leaders in the world, Um, he's, he's led local church, and in this next season he's now investing in churches and leaders really across the world. That sounds very glamorous, but if any of you travel a fair bit, you know actually there's no glamour to travel. Um, and uh, I am just absolutely thrilled that he's here. I, I got to know uh, Michael. I uh, was introduced to him last year. This sort of time, actually, in London, made a connection. Uh, then whilst I was out in, in, in the States, I was able to just connect with h- himself and, and Valerie, his wife. And uh, I just want to say this Genuinely. It's not just like bigging it all up. He really is the real deal. We've had three days with him, and he's just great with kids. He loves people. He's very genuine. He's very real. And he's our kind of man. He's our kind of man of God to come through here. He's not a big shot. He's not Billy Big Boots. You know what I'm talking about. Who <laughs> just think they've got it all together, and he's just absolutely fantastic. So what I want to encourage you to do, Arena, is really open your hearts. You know, if it's your first time in, I want to say you're going to get something. If it's your thousandth time here, you're going to receive something from the Lord. So I always think it's a good thing. And we always get a little bit, you know, about this, but we're going to do it. I want us to stand to our feet. and I want, Okay, so I want us to stand to our feet. And I wonder if we'd give Michael Murphy a great big Arena Church round of applause. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, Arena
1: Church, how you doing? You doing good? Are you doing well? It's honestly, it's so good to be with you. Uh, you can be seated. I, uh, we've got connections to the old country, and uh, we, 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 we love England. Uh, except your rugby team, and, uh, um, and, and uh, my wife actually is from Cheltenham in Gloucestershire, so she was a posh girl, and, uh, and she was about 10 years of age. Her parents came out to Australia, and, um, and I'm glad of that because. Uh, I wouldn't have probably met her otherwise. So we've been married 31 years nearly, and uh, we've got three, three kids. Um, I say to people, I've got three kids and one wife, which because of what I do, it's kind of handy only having one wife. Uh, and uh, our kids are growing up now. They, our, our oldest is 30. She lives in London with her husband. She's a film, uh, film producer. And our youngest daughter lives in Los Angeles. She's a, a, a young adult pastor. So we told the kids they could change the world, and darn it, they believed us. Uh, So we are are a totally global family. Our son, uh, who is 28, so our oldest daughter's 30, our youngest daughter's 26, and our son's 28. Um, He lives in our home, actually, uh, with his wife, because we're hardly ever there. As Pastor uh, Christian said, um, we've been in ministry for about 30 years, which does make us officially old. And, uh, and, and we, um, we, we just had, I, honestly, I was born again with a spiritual silver spoon in my mouth. Um, I came from a, a Catholic background and then went wild for about four years or so, uh, just in the party scene, in and out of relationships, a long way from God. And had a, had a car accident, actually, that, I, that should have killed me. I flipped a car. I'd been drinking way too much that night. I was fortunately by myself. And uh, it was a VW, but it literally squashed the bubble on the VW. I can remember hanging upside down in the car by the seatbelt, should have been killed, had a little scratch on my back. That was all. And I thought, man, if I had have ended eternity right there, uh, I just knew I didn't have a relationship with Jesus. So that started me on a search. And I happened to, just happened to, walk into a service at what is now Hillsong City. It was not that then. It was called Christian Life Centre City. Pastor Frank Houston was the pastor there at the time, Brian Houston's dad. Brian was preaching, one of the first times he'd preached a Sunday night message. And of course, it just, all the lights went on for me. You know, sometimes we think things are accidental, um, but I've given up really believing in accidents and any sort of luck. I just know God is able to put us where he wants us to be in time and space. And I'm going to believe with you today that that's exactly the case for you. Yeah. No matter how you got here, no matter how long you've been coming, or it's your first time, like me, join the club, we're first timers here at Arena. Um, I just, I've got a confidence that God has got something to say to you, not because I'm here. Um, in fact, to be really honest, whenever I get up behind a pulpit and open God's word, I consider it an amazing blessing. And I don't just say that. Uh, The brokenness in our lives, my wife and I, um, we are just very grateful. We're we're trophies of God's grace. When I was, when I was about eighteen, I um, I was going out with a young lady, and uh, again, this might be a bit raw, a bit early in the relationship for you and I, but we'll give it a shot. Uh, (laughs) We'll take it out for a spin, eh? And 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 so uh, I we, we actually fell pregnant. And uh, we were we were very young. Uh, I was really quite irresponsible at that at that time. Uh, I say to people when I came to Christ, I couldn't spell responsibility, let alone live it. Um, I'm learning to spell now, uh, just. And uh, but anyway, we 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 have we found we're having a child, and um, and so we were going to get married. I had three jobs, raised a bunch of money, and you know we the relationship. Cut a long story short, without going into all the gory details, it fell badly apart. The girl married someone quite a bit older than me, a friend of their family, and, uh, and they lived happily ever after, as the story goes. But I never saw the baby. So I was about, um, you know, it was born on my birthday. So every time my birthday would come around, I'd be aware of how old the baby would be. And at times, not in a weird way, I'd be in shopping centres going, I wonder if that seven-year-old is my daughter. don't know. So anyway, that was the story, and we we, uh, we helped to plant the church with Brian and Bobby Houston, uh, now called Hillsong, and we were there for eighteen years, and then uh, sorry, there for, uh, for twelve years, and then eighteen years after that, we actually were pastoring our own church. But just about a year into pastoring our own church, I was preaching one Sunday night, and no, it was in the morning. Sorry, one Sunday morning, just just like I am now, and a couple of people responded when I gave an opportunity for people just to. Just to cut to the chase and say, you know what, I really want God in my life. I don't know how it's going to work out. And I'm going to do that at the end of the service um, in about three hours. I've got a lot to say this morning. Uh, we should be out here by about three. And uh, only serious. And anyway, so we, some of the really worried there, right? So anyway, we, uh, so a couple people responded. And in the foyer afterwards, in the church that we were pastoring, a beautiful young lady came up to me. And I recognized her to be one of the ones that had responded she looked me in the eye and said, I'm your daughter. So I like, that was what I did too. <laughs> I said, I'm so pleased to meet you. Can I give you a hug? So there I was hugging my daughter the first time I ever laid eyes on her. You know, those words, I'm your daughter, they just, I don't know, they, 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 it's like they made my heart do cartwheels. I just did, I fell in love in a, in a dad kind of way. Um, I had my own beautiful wife at the time, and our kids had been born. They were only little tackers at the time. and uh, But it just turned my world upside down. Um, and you know what? They're simple words. But when God actually... If that's the Holy Spirit, tell him I'm, I'm listening to Him right now, and I've got to get more to say, and just don't worry. <laughs> and so anyway... Um, I'm your daughter. The truth is, sometimes we can get so complicated in our relationship with Christ. It gets so kind of weird and and so hard. But I think today will be a good day for some of us who maybe have been struggling in our faith. And I don't need to be a prophet in a group like this to know that there'd be a bunch of us who are saying, you know what, to be really honest, I don't let people know on the outside, but it's not really happening for me right now. I had this passionate love for Jesus but it almost feels like an amazing grace. It's a grace that blows us away. Your mercies are new every single morning. And so, I, Lord, Lord, I pray that we'd be able to just relax into your word today and understand that you've got things to say to many of us. Lord, even today, Lord, Lord, that one portion of the truth of your word literally could change our entire lives as we mix it with faith. Father, we commit your word to you now. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, come with me to Proverbs chapter 13. Uh, I, I've got a couple of uh, little family snaps just to, just to uh, give you a bit of a context. The first one, if we have it, is my mum and dad. And uh, they're not looking that young now. Uh, dad's 86 now and mum's 81. I think that was about uh, my age and uh, maybe a little bit younger. And uh, they are, um, they're amazing people. Um, uh, because today I want to talk to you about the generational why, I just wanted to throw... Uh, them up on the screen. And, uh, and the, next, the next shot um, is my beautiful wife, Valerie. She's standing there on the beach at St. Valerie on Co. She gets her name from that beach, spelt with a Y. Most uh, ladies spell their name V A L E R I E. She spells it with a Y because her dad named her after that beach. That was where her dad was captured in the Second World War. He was a rear gunner for the British uh, Army and, uh, and, and actually helped to stave off. Uh, the Germans, as the British troops uh, retreated back to, the, the, back, to, back to England in order to defend England from there, he escaped seven times from POW camps as they were marched across Europe. I'm glad he decided to escape the seventh time. And that's my beautiful wife, Valerie. Uh, this next shot is of my son when he was much younger. He was like, uh, I think, about, uh, I don't know, six or something like that then. And, uh, but he grew up, and he married Bindi, and uh, and, they, uh, and now, this is what he did to Bindi, uh, and they, the next shot, uh, <laughs> and they have now given us our very first grandson, born just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, that's little Frederick Michael uh, Murphy, and so we're absolutely in love uh, in, in regards to that little boy. Um, my, my youngest daughter, Elise, uh, this is the next shot And she is no longer looking like that uh, In fact, she, she grew up, she's a 26-year-old young woman of God And just wrote a book that got published recently um, Called Dance, uh, called uh, Confessions of a Church Kid And that's been published right throughout the US And, uh, and it's really her honest story about, about um, as it says there Thoughts on finding God and becoming herself, and she—we've uh, been ministering together actually over in, in the Netherlands, over in Holland, um, and uh, we've just—I've just come from there. Uh, and this is this is my oldest daughter, and she is the one who lives in London, who's the film producer, and so we do, we love family, we love family, and look whether you are here today and your family are estranged from you, or maybe you're in you're in in the uh, Nottingham Derby. Uh, Derbyshire kind of area, but they're living somewhere else. Church's family. Yeah. <clears throat> Church's family. And in the context of the generational why, I want to put some context around the fact that why, why do we bother? Why do we bother to serve God? Why do we bother to actually sow into the kingdom of God? Why do you bother to give your tithe, to actually lay up and give back 10% uh, of your income, because that's already God's. Why would you bother to give up? Over to, why do people, before you even thought about uh, getting up this morning, why were they here preparing this great service? Why would we build, uh, go and buy a church over in Mansfield and build something? Why would we ever bother to do anything else? Why not just, let's just be the church? I want to talk to you about the generational why. Proverbs chapter 13 verse 22 says, a good man, everyone say a good man. Come on, a good man. A good man lays up an inheritance to his children's children, but the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. A good man, it's interesting to note there, God doesn't just say a good man actually leaves an inheritance to his kids. He's actually talking two generations hence. In fact, God even describes himself as a three-generational God. You might be able to help me with this one. He calls himself the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, Isaac, the God of Jacob. Jacob. He actually sees himself as a three-generational God. So God is not just looking after the 21st century trinity, me, myself, and I. He's actually seeing beyond that to generations. It's quite incredible. I was with a good friend of mine, Paul Cole. Uh, Some of you that have been around for a little while might remember his dad, Dr. Ed Cole who wrote a bunch of books to men. Uh, in fact, he didn't start writing his first book till he was t- uh, 54. Wow. So for those of you in your 50s, don't start packing up, man. You're just starting. This church, though I know it's passionate about young people, this church is not just a next generation church. This is a generations church holding hands across the span of time. Where those that have got a few uh, kilometers on the clock, a few grey hairs or a few less hairs than what we once had, we're we're actually going to encourage and lift up the next generation. The next generation are going to be respectful and bring the energy to the table and together we blow something up in a good way for the kingdom of God. That's the heart of God, for his church. And so Paul, I met him for lunch up in New York Uh, and I didn't just go to New York for lunch, I was already there and we (coughs) happened to have some lunch together. (coughs) He's about 62 now. But I'll tell you what, he's looking fit. He's, uh, he's obviously been exercising, he's been working out, he's been eating well. And I said, Paul, if one, if one fella can say it to another fella, you're looking pretty good, buddy. And uh, he simply just, he almost ignored the comment. He says, no big deal. He said, here's what he said, it's just a gift to my grandkids. It's just a gift for my grandkids. Now, he was talking physically, but I wonder what decisions God might might put his finger on in our lives that would say, you know what, if you, can, if you can align that with my purpose and plan, that'll be a gift to your grandkids. In fact, if you lean in and could somehow listen into the future, maybe you'll hear the giggling voices of your grandkids with hearts full of gratitude for you as their grandmother or their mother or father having made good decisions to align, up, align with God's purpose ...in order to be a gift for them. I think somehow we would. You know, the Bible doesn't start just speaking about generations. It has a lot of words in the New Testament, uh, several actually, to deal with the concept of time. We know we we live within time. Time starts for us when we are born, and it will end when we go to be into eternity... ...and therefore our eternal time will start uh, with Jesus... Um, and, you know, they, they, Oscar Wilde, I think it was, said that there are two great days in the, in the life of every man and woman. The day he's born, or she's born, and the day he finds out why. I want to talk to you about today the generational why. The generational why. You see, the first word in the New Testament to deal with time is the word chronos. It's the word, we get our, our word and concept chronology. So it's the ticking of the clock kind of time. The next word within the chronos is the word kairos which is the opportune God moment where God invades time and space, puts his finger on something in our heart. And when we're prepared to align that opportunity, that moment in God with him, we'll lay up powerful things for genios, generations that will be heralded throughout all of Aeneos, which is eternity. Let me do it again for you. There's Chronos time. We're living in that. There are moments in God and, and, and honestly, it could well be one of those moments for you today where you say, God, you are, you are challenging me about this. I'm not going to angst about it. I'm not going to get condemned about it. I, I'm just going to give it to you and I'm going to uh, invite your partnership in the Kairos moment to lay something up for Genios in order to be heralded throughout all of Aeneos eternity. That's the heart of God. Hey, come with me to Genesis. Genesis chapter 49. Genesis chapter 49, there's a, a song that some of you might remember, I think he was an American guy, but I may be wrong on that, a guy named Eric Clapton, he wrote a song called Tears in Heaven, was he? A British, there you go, lots of good things come out of Britain, uh, so he wrote a song called Tears in Heaven, which you remember, was a real tearjerker, he lost his, his young child and, and uh, I mean, man, I, you know, I can't even think about it without almost melting, but... I reckon the verse in the Bible that literally brought tears to heaven was, can be found in the book of, uh, of, of Judges. Uh, chapter 2, verse 10, it says, Another generation rose after them who did not know the Lord nor the work that he'd done for Israel. What a tragic verse. Another generation rose after them who did not know the Lord nor the works that he'd done for Israel. And, you know, it's interesting. When I, I meditated on that the other day, I thought, I thought, God, why was that? Why, when you've got dudes like Joshua, when you've got Moses, when you've got all of this good stuff going on, how come in all of their busyness and conquering kings, they couldn't conquer the passing of the baton from one generation to another? There's an interesting thought. Can you remember how many grandparents there were in the wilderness? or in the promised land, when they went to the promised land. Two, Joshua and Caleb were the only grandparents. In other words, there were no, mum and dad were fussing around and trying to make everything, make ends meet, get food on the table, uh, clothe the kids. There were no grandparents there to tell the stories of generations of God's goodness and kindness and his impact. Grandparents, you've got an incredible responsibility. And a wonderful opportunity to invest life and love and encouragement into the next generation. That's kind of not the main thing I want to say. It's kind of just throw that away for free. But but hopefully you can you can see that that's a powerful thing. In Genesis chapter 49 and verse 29, we pick up the story where Jacob is about to die. He says, I am there, he charged them and said, I am to be gathered to my people. He's got in Australia, we say he's about to cark it. Everyone says, about to cark it. About to cark And uh, he says, I, I, want you to gather, uh, be, I want you to bury me with my fathers in the cave that is in the field of Ephron. I think that's Zach's great, 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 great grandparents, the Hittite. Verse 31 says, There they buried Abraham and Sarah, his wife. There they buried Isaac and Rebekah, his wife. Now, this little line could almost be missed. He simply then says, And there I buried Leah. Amen. It's like, big deal, big deal. What's so good about that? What's so good about where you bury someone? Like, come on. Well, back then it was a really big deal. They they, they would bury uh, heavy hitters together. So Abraham and Sarah, I think you'd agree, were some of the biggest heavy hitters in terms of leadership. He was called the father of faith in all of Israel. Isaac and Rebekah were also uh, of of the God of Abraham, Isaac fame and, and Jacob. And Jacob is also a really important leader who became Israel, the father of the nation of Israel. So he says there, there I buried Leah. Now, it is totally unremarkable until you know the backstory. story. The backstory story is this. Jacob saw this young, I, I want to be nice in church, but she was a good sort. She was a good look. She was a, she was a hottie, all right? He, the, no, the Bible says she was beautiful of appearance and form. I don't think he's talking about the form of her personality. So Jacob saw her, and I don't know whether he actually said this. He may have said, Habba, 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 Hallelujah. (laughs) He he was just taken by her. So much so, he went straight to her dad and said, Mr. Laban, he said, I want to marry your daughter because she has got such a beautiful personality. And, And he said, you can... You can actually do that, son, if you work for me for seven years. I reckon that had sort the men out from the boys, don't you? Some young, young guy here sees a beautiful young lady, goes to dad. Dad says, sure, you can marry her. Work for me for seven years. I wonder how many young guys say, ah, she wasn't that good looking after all. You know? <laughs> well, Jacob thought she was because he did work for seven years. And again, I know this is Sunday morning, so I'll keep the details sketchy on the wedding night you'll be glad of that. The wedding night did come though and, and the tent was dark. She had the veil on. They had the wedding night. Enough detail. And then he woke up in the morning and the sun was up. She had her veil off. He turned over. Ah! It wasn't Rachel. Dad had done a switcheroo overnight. I'm going somewhere with this. You'll be glad to know. He actually put Leah in the tent under the veil instead of Rachel, her younger sister. When he, when he quizzed dad about it, dad said, no drama. He said, it's not a cool thing for the younger daughter to get married before the older daughter in our custom. So you can have both of them if you work for me for another seven years. So man, this guy, this guy the deceiver actually met a bigger deceiver. And uh, that's a whole other message. But anyway, they, they, they start journeying together. Leah every night, where the Bible actually says, though he loved Rachel, the Bible actually says, he did not like or love Rachel. That word in the, in the Hebrew is he hated Leah. You, you can imagine the resentment and stuff that was built up. And, and, and Leah, all she could hear from the tent of Rachel and Jacob was giggling and laughter. And all that could be heard from her tent was deep, racking, sobbing tears. She was a young lady that felt unloved, unlovely, and that her life didn't count for anything. What a a horrible thing to have to go through. You see, that's not just Bible. Some of you have struggled with those same thoughts. Feeling unlovely, feeling unloved, unlovable, and maybe what's, what's my life count for? Maybe some of the fellas here, you know, Feel unlovely, but maybe, maybe you had the question Have I really got what it takes? Have I really got what it takes to make a difference for God in this generation? And you know, God, in His, in his great grace and wisdom, actually strengthens young Leah in the midst of this whole thing. She says, Well, what am I going to do? My husband clearly doesn't love me. I've seen the goo goo eyes that He has on when He looks at Rachel, and all He seems to do to me is roll His eyes. I am just broken. Again, I'm feeling unloved, unlovely, and that my life's not counting for anything. So Leah says, well, I might have some kids to him. Rachel, at the time, couldn't have any children. So Leah, Leah has four kids. She has Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah. And, uh, and, and, and back then, name and nature meant a whole lot. In fact, one of the things that happened in this whole deal is our daughter, we named Leah. Same spelling. And when she learnt that Leah's name in the Bible, or the Bible describes her, though it describes Rachel, beautiful appearance and form, it describes Leah as someone who is dim or dull-eyed. Oops. (laughs) The Hebrew doesn't get any better. The Hebrew of Rachel is that she was a, a beautiful young lamb. The Hebrew of Leah is that she's a wild cow. When our daughter brought up in a, in a, in a, a church environment, we'd become a Christian when she was very young. And uh, when she started learning this, she said, Dad, Leah, what were you thinking? I said, I wasn't thinking, I just liked the name. So in this case, she had Reuben. Now, Reuben means behold a son. So you can almost see her trying to do a deal with God. God, yeah. behold my son, now is my husband going to actually love me? Uh, didn't work. Second child, Simeon, means heard by God. Here's another boy, God. I'm keeping the name going. Laying up a nation for you. Now, haven't you heard me? My husband doesn't love me. Uh, didn't work. Levi means attached. Now, God, is my husband going to be attached to me? Uh, didn't work either. Almost, it's after that. It's almost like she throws the towel in from trying to manipulate God and says, you know what? In the midst of my pain... I'm going to call my first, fourth son Judah, which means praise the Lord anyway. Can, can, I, can I just chat to you for a minute? When you go through those dark moments, so often we try and work it out. In church life, a lot of, a lot of uh, you know, stuff, you know the stuff sometimes in church. Whenever two or more are gathered, there will be an offence. In fact, if you've never been offended at Arena Church, at the end of the church, so come up, I'll offend you. You didn't have an opportunity to get over it and learn how to forgive and we'll move on from there. Is that okay? Yeah. There's the stuff goes on in church life. A lot of that is due to either selfish ambition or us trying to manipulate God, work it out, uh, when rather than say, God, I just love you for who you are. Can you just sort this thing out? Well, the, well, well, then Rachel, who can't have children yet is actually watching on, and she says, you know what, I can't have kids, but I've got a pretty little maid servant called Bilhar. Jacob, maybe you can have some children to her. Um, He he does, has a couple of kids. Uh, He has Dan and Naphtali. Leah, looking on as well, says, well, I've got a little maid servant called Zilpah. (laughs) Bilhar, Zilpah, you could almost make a rap out of that one, but she had kids, Gad and Asher. Leah had a couple of more kids, Issachar and Zebulun. And finally, everyone say finally. Finally, Rachel has Joseph and Benjamin, who are the children of Jacob's old age. And uh, right there is the 12 sons of Israel. I reckon there were many times in the midst of it that, that Leah felt like just giving up. She felt like, man, but she didn't. She didn't. Point number one, and I've got 25 of these. Just keeping you guessing. Point number one Leah actually invested in things that outlived her. She can, cont- you know, like David and, 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 uh, and, and Solomon. He talked to Nathan, uh, King David, and said, I want to build God a house. I've got a swish house. God's living in a tent. And uh, Nathan, who obviously didn't have a quiet time that morning, said, Do all that's in your heart, O king. And God said, Excuse me, fellas. Can I be asked about this? I don't want David to build a house. I want his son Solomon to lay up the house. But David, you can get the plans for it. You can get the resources together. I want to actually invest something in the next generation. That's how the generational thing works. One generation doesn't get grumbly. You know, as a pastor, of, I I can't, even though I'm not pastoring a church now, I'll never not be a pastor. I love people. We love the church of Jesus Christ. Here's one of the greatest comments I would love. When i get someone over 50 or even so over 60, who I know our music was pretty up-tempo like yours, and they come to the door and they'd punch me in the, in the arm. And they'd say, Pastor, the music's not my cup of tea, but I know what you're doing. You're laying up for the next generation. And I'm pre- pre- prepared to invest my time and my prayer and my energy in that. You'll do me, Pastor. Oh, man, I would go away just with, on such a high after that. And you know there's a contrast. Not everyone's like that. It's like, well, I don't like the music. What are you doing that? Why are we favoring all the young people? And that's, a, that's an older person that's actually not been able to move on and it's continued to be about them. Thank God for a church that understands that we are generations holding hands together. Is that cool? Yeah. So anyway, we, 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 Rachel, sorry, Leah continued to invest in things that outlived her. Secondly, she continued to persist with God's generational dream there are times when the enemy will throw things at you in order to cause you to get downcast, in order for you to become self-focused. We are all humans. We all have that tendency. The reason that God exhibited such extravagant generosity from heaven is in order to be an example to us who tend to be those that would not get generous, not actually lay up things for other people, but to think about her own selves first. But thank God she pushed through and she persisted with God's generational dream. I say thank God she did. Everyone say thank God for Leah. Come on, thank God for Leah. Because here's why. No Leah, no Levi. Remember, that was her third son. No Leah, no Levi no Levi, no Moses, no Moses, no first five books of the Bible, no 10 commandments and no Exodus out of Egypt. Can you say thank God for Leah? But there's more, there's more. Thank God for Leah because no Leah, no Judah, no Judah, no Boaz, no David, no Solomon, no Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes or Song of Solomon. How many can say thank God for Leah? Thank God she didn't throw in the towel. But there's more. You see, no Leah, no Judah, no joy to the world, the Lord is come. No Christmas. (laughs) No Mary, no Joseph, no saviour of the world. But there's more. You see, even though Benjamin was born through Rachel, she actually died at childbirth. And so on whose knee do you think Benjamin was brought up? Thank you. Leah. No Leah, no bringing up of Benjamin, no Apostle Paul, no half the New Testament. Thank God for Leah. You know, so often we think too early about our lack of impact. You are, as you continue to align those kairos moments with God, you are continuing to lay up something incredible. As you continue to carry a God focus of generosity, of selflessness, you're laying up something powerful for generations that will be heralded throughout all of eternity. But there's more. The Bible says that the gates of heaven are made of one particular sort of stone. Can anyone help me with that? Pearl. A pearl. The Bible says in, in Revelation chapter 21, there's 12 gates of heaven and 12 pearls. Each gate is made out of a whopping, hunkin' big pearl. That's some serious oyster right there. <laughs> big pearl. Big, how how, up, how do oysters make pearls? Can someone help me? Not, not, in, not in factories like they do now, but how do oysters actually make pearls? Irritation. irritation. There's a bit of sand irritation. Big pearl... Hunkin big pearl, hunkin' big irritation. Some of you, don't put your hand up, some of you right now are going through a hunkin' big irritation. Lady, don't look at your husband right there. Okay. Some of you are, have got massive frustration, but I'm, I'm serious. If you will dedicate that to God, he will lay up a pearl of great price for generations. If you try and manipulate God or the circumstances and do it yourself, you fail to see what God can do over generations. That's why we bother. That's why we bother to serve. That's why we bother to connect together in small groups in community. That's why we bother to give tithes and offerings. Because it's not just about us. There's a generational why. God is wanting to do something powerful generationally through Ilkeston, through Mansfield, through who who knows how many other communities that God could use. You amazing people who get this from a generational point of view. (laughs) She invested in in things that outlived her. Thank God when you do that. There's no better way to do that than invest in the local church, incidentally. There's lots of care agencies who do a marvelous job. Lots of people that are doing <clears throat> wonderful things, feeding the poor, and, and that is, that's the heart of God. But, but many of those really don't have a spiritual component. They're not called to actually necessarily disciple people and raise up the next generation. That's the job of the local church. So when you invest in the local church, amidst all of the needs, make sure you, 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 you start with a real slice of your time, of your talent, of your energy, of your resources, investing in God, Jesus' bride that actually lays up eternities for a generation. But there's actually, there's actually more. She, she invested in things that outlived her. She persisted with God's generational dream. And finally, she lived her life for the eternity of others. Because on each of those gates, the Bible says... Revelation 21, verse 12, and then verse 21. It actually says there's written on each pearl an individual name. There it is right there. An individual name. And that name is the name of one of the tribes of Israel. So on each pearl, there's an individual name. So here's the deal. As you walk through the gates of heaven, hopefully, and you just peek up at the pearl... And you read the name, there'll possibly be a little lady with a huge mansion somewhere in heaven by the name of Leah, who thought she was unloved and unlovely and, didn't, and wondered whether her life counted for anything. And she'll have a wry smile, because there'll be a 50% chance that you'll walk as you go through the gates of heaven under the names of one of the sons that she persisted and gave birth to and laid up half the nation of Israel. God can do amazing things, amazing things when we commit ourselves to him. Where do you stand before Jesus? Like it, like really, take the mask off, come out from behind the facade because I know we can do that at times, I do. I, honestly, there's been times as a pastor that my heart has been dry as old boots. If you like, I've been backslidden of heart thought I'd say that now rather than the start because you may not have listened to me. I'm doing great right now, freshness in God, and, and, and most times I was. But there are times, I, like, if you're honestly, if I, asked, if I was asking myself this question at times in my life, I thought, man, God, you seem so far away. Lord, I, I just, it just seems like there's ages since we've even, even talked, let alone received something fresh from your word, let alone being reduced to tears by your amazing grace and love. Where do you honestly stand before Jesus this morning? And I wonder, would you have the courage to say, you know what, Michael, I believe that the Holy Spirit is speaking to me this morning and it's about time that I actually acknowledge my need of Him because actually it's been a long time and it's not really happening. There might be some here and a friend has, has brought you along. Let me say they're a good friend. They're concerned not just about... Uh, your welfare but they actually they they love this community and frankly with that overflow of love I guess they said hey I I want you to enjoy it as well but it's not just about a community not just about a family it's actually about a personal relationship with God where do you stand because I am I am itching right now to pray for everyone here who would say you know what Michael honest I'm, I'm away I'm distant from God my, my walk with him is bumping along the bottom. And, and I don't want to stay there. I just, I want to acknowledge. I've, I've, I've given a little bit of my heart this morning, a bit of my story, took, taken a risk in terms of vulnerability. I don't need you to do that back. I just need you to do it for God, to God and say, Lord, I, I need you. I need you in my life. So we're going to pray just in a moment. Could I ask you to close your eyes, every single person here? Just bow your heads. Let's do, everyone, come on, let's do some business with God. I want you to think about you, not the person next to you, and ask you this question, where do you stand before Jesus? In a moment, I'm simply going to count to three. And everyone...